what I'm hearing from the analysts that are gathering data you know, directly from customers is that when customers are sitting down talking about who they trust to partner with around some of these most mission critical transformations of their organization, Google's right, if not at the top of the list, right near the top of the list, which is paints a very bright future for us in this cloud space, which has taken off like a rocket ship. Welcome to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering. In this podcast, Vince Menzione, a proven industry sales and partner executive, brings together technology leaders in this forum to discuss transformational trends and to deconstruct successful strategies to thrive and survive in the rapid age of cloud transformation. And now your host, Vince Menzione. Welcome to, or welcome back to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering, where technology leaders come to optimize results through successful partnering. I'm Vince Menzione, your host, and my mission is to help leaders like you achieve your greatest business results by unlocking the leadership principles, best practices, and learnings of the best in the business to help you get partnerships right, optimize for success, and deliver results during this time of intense transformation. For this episode of the podcast, I was excited to welcome back Eric Rosencrantz, Google's North American Partnership Senior Leader. Google's been on a fast track building out its enterprise and partnership businesses. And I invited Eric back to learn more about how the partner business has evolved, how Google differentiates versus the other hyperscalers, and why partners should choose to work with Google. We also have a great discussion on work, life, and career journey. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed reconnecting with Eric Rosencrantz. Eric, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Vince. Great to be back. I am so excited to welcome you back to Ultimate Guide to Partnering. You and I had the chance to work together many, many moons ago. Seems like 100 years, in fact. And you were an early guest on this podcast, episode 20. I'm so excited to welcome you back because in the almost four years, quite a bit has changed. So welcome. Yeah, thanks, Vince. It, it's been uh, quite a bit of change, both in terms of the world, since we got together for the last podcast in 2017, quite a bit of change in the, the cloud business, some of it influenced by what's going on in the world but uh, also big success with Google Cloud and uh, thrilled to talk about where we, how, how far we've come and, and where we're headed. Oh boy, so much has changed, right? I mean, just the last 14, 15 months, a time none of us have ever expected to live through. I do want to ask about what you've seen since the change, but let's, let's dive in on your role a little bit first because your role has evolved since we last spoke and congratulations on your continued success at Google. Can you share more about that with our listeners? Yeah, so I came here in 2016 and originally came to help start to build the channel function. And that has expanded over time and so led the overall America's channel business as we substantially grew the size of our field operation over the last few years. I really took on a focus around the North America partner function. And so today I, I lead our North America partner development and partner engineering function. I also serve as the senior partner leader on our North America leadership team. 
And I sit on our global channels leadership team where I represent North America as well. And so it's a lot of opportunity to work across some great stakeholders within the region with work with our direct field sales leaders, as well as our, our global channel chief, Carolee Gearhart and her team as well. Amazing how your organization has grown. Can you dig in a little bit deeper? Like how is your organization structured? So I'd say a couple of things. One, we did not have a lot of specialization within the partner roles when I got here. So if you were in a partner role in the field, you essentially were working with every type of partner and your day was mixed with working across global SIs to small 15-person boutiques. We didn't have an MSP program when I joined. We now have a very thriving MSP program. The biggest change I think I've seen with respect to structure is we actually have depth focus on different partner types whether it's global SIs, whether it's uh, managed service providers, whether it's scalable national resellers, specialty technical partners, ISVs. And so we now have roles that look after and wake up in the morning thinking about nothing but that function and, and the unique ways that we work with those partner types and the unique ways we measure our progress with them. That's something that has changed dramatically over the last few years that I've been here. We also added a partner engineering function that didn't exist when I got here. I helped write the the original business case for it. And so now actually half of my organization represents technical folks that work with our partners to help drive connectivity with our engineering teams, help drive technical success, and also help connect them to our roadmap and, and where we're going. Yeah, such an important investment because you really want your partners to come build with you such a necessary investment to have those resources available to help drive the growth. Yeah, it's, it's something that's appreciated on, on both sides. Uh, partners appreciate it because they want to have direct level of connectivity with our engineering team as they possibly can. Um, and our teams appreciate it as well because they get great feedback from partners on how our solutions are landing with customers. They're able to have a good bi-directional flow of communication. You know, it's remarkable. So much has changed in the almost four years. I, you know, I was thinking back in the work I do with organizations that Google really wasn't on the radar for a lot of them back then. And now it really is a heterogeneous world. All three hyperscalers seem to have a play. What do you think best differentiates Google versus the other two? So I can tell you what we hear from customers and what we hear from our partners and and also to some degree from analysts who are surveying customers at scale. So certainly where data is important, which we would argue is almost (laughs) everywhere, and where organizations are thinking about how they accelerate journey and their own transformation and their own value prop we're uniquely qualified to help them. And so that that's something that has always been true. But I don't know if, you know, five years ago when I got here, every customer truly understood what was possible with Google. I'd say in the area of, of AI and, and machine learning, you know, that's another area where reputationally people understood that Google was out in front leading, but we didn't have the sellers on the street and mass five years ago to tell that story. So we weren't in every conversation that we probably needed to be in. And now we have substantially grown as as you can read about in the public sphere, we've substantially grown our direct 
selling field. And we're in a lot more conversations. What I'm hearing from the analysts that are gathering data you know, directly from customers is that when customers are sitting down talking about who they trust to partner with around some of these most mission critical transformations of their organization, Google's right, if not at the top of the list, right near the top of the list, which is paints a very bright future for us in this cloud space, which has taken off like a rocket ship, as you can hear in, in uh, you know, earnings announcements and, and other things that we've made public. You know, I've seen it as well, not only just watching you and your organization, but having other guests on this podcast, like our good friend, Tony Savoyan from Sada Systems and having his team also represented on the podcast. Just the level of growth is astounding to me. It's just really amazing. You know, we talked about, I'll call it a maturity of the organization. Since you've been in seat since 16, what are the most significant advances, whether they be technical or product, or even just organizationally that you've seen since you joined? I've seen a number of big needle moving changes. One is, is the investment that we've made in growing our field. And you know, I just referenced that a few moments ago, but that allows us to really represent the value that, that we bring and get into a lot more conversations where we can help customers explore what's possible. So that, that's been a big change. Two is putting what I'll call a, a system-wide approach together for going to market around solutions. And so when I first got here, what I saw was very strong engineering, very strong marketing, very strong selling, but maybe not all aligned around the same solution selling concepts that we're now aligned around. So if you take something like our hybrid approach that we have brought to market with Anthos, that was something that was an engineering deliverable, but wasn't lined up perhaps system-wide to be supported in, in the same way. And now we're, we're completely aligned in terms of the engineering, the selling capability, the marketing and delivery and, and partner. And so in the last two years in particular, where we've driven that system-wide prioritization and alignment. And I think it makes a big difference for customers and for partners um, who are all trying to be really planful about where they place their bets. You know, I've heard a lot of great things about Anthos, but for our listeners who don't know much about it, can you explain what the value proposition is for both customers and also for partners that are looking to deploy? Yeah. So the value proposition is really getting to what I'll call an open hybrid and multi-cloud approach. And so Anthos is a way to drive a level of multi-cloud orchestration forward in a standards open sourced manner that allows you to maximize the use of all the value we bring with Google Cloud, but it also allows you to really drive high quality orchestration across other clouds as well, including private cloud investments. And the world that we're living in, this is such a perfect solution for this time. What are your partners and your customers saying specifically about it? What we see organizations are trying to achieve big transformation visions, but they also have a lot of a lot of investments already within their estate. And Anthos is a way to help bring all those things together and also do it in a way that is allowing you to be interoperable and harnessing you know, open source intent 
So we touched on this earlier, this time like no other we've seen these last 14, 15 months or so. What did you see that you didn't expect to see during this time? So I don't think that anyone knew what to expect, particularly if we go back to March, April. It was amazing to think back to the level of uncertainty that existed. But I, I think what we saw was cloud could help customers in ways that maybe they envisioned but had not put in play yet. And we were able to rapidly help customers, even with all the challenges of the pandemic and, and not being in person with your customers, with your team, with your partners. You know, we, we weren't able to communicate or physically be together. The the amount of engagement that we were able to have and, and you know maybe it's because we were very much in the mode of online and using video for communications prior to the pandemic uh, coming forward. And we were able to be there for them and our partners as well. You know, grateful for the ability to serve with a uh, recognition and understanding that not everyone is in the position to be able to serve customers in that way. Yeah. I was just in our workshop with India, a group within India. And we were talking about this, like we would have never been able to pull off this transformation even three or four years ago. The technology wasn't there. And, you know, I've heard IDC refer to it as seven years of transformation in one year, just rapid transformation that we've seen. You know, we're a very user-centric organization. We're really passionate about serving the user. And so for me, the user is not just our end customers, but the partner is really a primary user. And so when you talk about you know, ultimate, ultimate guide to partnering, for me, the ultimate guide is really uh, the partner. And you know, I, I love that, by the way. I love the fact that you referenced ultimate guide to partnering because uh, I want to also understand too with this user, this partner, like what attributes do you look for and what do you believe makes the most successful partners? I, I think that the communication that you set up and, and that open feedback, you know, bi-directional feedback loop is important. It's vital to not waste any time when there's some feedback to deliver. And so establishing open and respectful communications is front and center for me. Two, and you, know, you, you mentioned our friend Tony Safoy, and one of the things I love about working with Tony is that he is very opinionated and has a point of view to share. I think it's great when people bring that forward. You know, it helps you test how we're doing very quickly. And I, I appreciate you know so many of our partners who come forward and say, hey, look, this is working really well. I want more. Or you know, this is not working. And here's what we need to do to take friction out of this to make it better. Moving away from silence and uh, maybe a more agreeable posture to a posture where as partners, we can be really opinionated with each other is very important to me. Yeah, I think of that in terms of passion, right? I think of Tony, I think a passionate, committed, opinionated is a really great way to put it as well. Passion is important too, even separate from you know how you communicate it. But knowing that uh, you know, we have so many great partners, I, I can think of a, a few of our partners who focus in a particular industry, for example, and, and the way that they stepped up during COVID, as an example, you know, in a way that maybe wasn't commercially motivated, they just really wanted to help. And so I think about in the areas of you know, AI, ML, 
we had partners who stepped up to solve problems in healthcare. We had a partner who stepped up to immediately provision a video solution in hospitals in Italy where patients were not able to say goodbye to their families in, in the, the spring of last year. And you know, in a matter of hours, they were able to get you know, a video capability set up so that families could talk to their loved ones. That to me was something that the passion was there. There's no way we could have turned that so quickly without the passion being there. And not just the passion for the technology, because there are a lot of people in this business that are passionate about tech and they get you know, excited about new technologies and new approaches, but also having passion for who you're serving and serving them with with conviction and, and bringing everything you've got to, to the fight. That's amazing to me. I love what you had to say there. So what about partners that maybe have not worked with Google before uh, that might be interested in working with you and your team? What would you say to them? So a couple things. One, it's not just about Google convincing partners of all the great tech that we have and the, the leadership around open source and the innovation in every area from AI ML to security to collaboration. But it's also about listening to what, what customers are saying. And you know, as we talk to customers and we talk to analysts, they, they are very much appreciating what we can bring. And we've had many noteworthy examples of where customers have set a multi-year partnership and a long-term transformation journey with us because they, they want to be part of the innovation pipeline and, and they want to apply it to the problems they're trying to solve. So I, I don't just look to Google and the way that we communicate to the partners. I also look to you know, what's the market saying about what we deliver and how does that inform a partner's point of view as well. And we'll provide links in our show notes, but is there a best contact or way that they reach to your organization? Yeah. So we have, uh, we have our partner advantage program, um, which you can get to off of our cloud website. There's a whole set of resources there, you know, for, for folks that want a more direct conversation. I, I'm, I'll certainly make myself available and, and make sure we connect you up with the right people here. And so happy to encourage those conversations as well. Great, Eric. Thank you for sharing that. And you might remember from our previous interview that I'm fascinated with how leaders got to this spot in their career and their life. And so I was wondering if you could share a little bit more about, was there a pivot point? Was there something specifically that happened that got you on the path to where you are today? So I don't know that there's one pivot point, but I would say a few consistent themes for me. One, curiosity. I like to take things apart and put them back together. Um, in fact, my parents will tell you the story about how when I was eight years old, I took apart our washing machine without their permission, of course. I took <laughs> apart the washing machine because I wanted to understand how it worked. Um, unfortunately, I didn't do a great job of putting it back together, but there was some good education value out of that. I bet. <laughs> Um, what, what did mom, I, my mom and dad think after that? <laughs> well, those are some critical conversations. Uh, but, you know, I, I like to understand how things really work. And because of that, I'm often you know, looking for opportunities to take things apart, typically put them back together in better, in better working order. 
that one wasn't the case, but I got a little over my skis on that one. But um, so I think the curiosity drives me. Also, I'm not satisfied with leaving things where they are. I, I like to drive change and growth and leave a big contribution to whatever I'm involved in. And so that has been consistent in all the things that I've engaged in. And hopefully I've, I've already made a big impact here over the arc of the five years. I know in, in previous journeys, including where you and I work together, I hope that people view a very positive impact from my work there too. Um, and, and in some of the things I'm involved in, in my personal life, I hope that's the case too. So curiosity, understanding how things work and leaving something better than you found it is is all part of what I do when I engage. Yeah, I, I call some of that compassion too. I, 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 sense a, I sense a compassion about you. I remember when COVID first happened, we were all trying to figure it out, right? And I remember you were hosting these, I don't know if it was meditation sessions or mindfulness sessions for everyone. Yeah, I've, I've been a practitioner of meditation and mindfulness for about seven years now. And so fortunately... And somewhat unknowingly, I completed the first wave of mindfulness-based stress reduction teacher training through Brown University. And I had actually taken their classes as a participant and had an active meditation practice myself. And so when COVID hit, everyone was sort of searching for some way to help. And one of the things I did was started an online group that grew to a few thousand people actually, yeah. who were just popping in to to, to sit and, and take guided meditation sessions. And many of them had never tried meditation before, but if there's ever a time to to do it and to try and you know take your take your attention away from what's going on in the world and, and just rest in rest in an anchor, whether it's your breath or, or sounds in the room that you're in, that was something that I felt like I could do to help and I even enlisted a number of friends who became volunteer instructors as well. And so that, that to me was some way to, to help in a time of uncertainty. It's something I continue to do. And um, in fact, I, I had a call with one of my colleagues just right before this, this recording. And you know, she and I had never talked about meditation, but she heard from other Googlers that it was something that you know, I could help with. And uh, she said, hey, can we set some time to talk about that? Because I'd, I'd really, I feel like I need that right now. <laughs> so, nice. so if, you know, whether it's, uh, whether it's pandemic induced stress or whether it's just the, the tyranny of the urgent, you know, in, in your day job, I feel like that's something that can help. And uh, hopefully it's something I've, I've been able to contribute back to the people that I engage with here too. So for our listeners, can you point them? Is there like a best book or something online that we can point our listeners to in terms of mindfulness and meditation? Yeah, one of the things that inspired me was a book called Full Catastrophe Living by John Kabat-Zinn. Ah, John Kabat-Zinn, yeah. So he is actually on the faculty at Brown University where I've taken some training. But he's, in my view, he's one of the modern leaders around mindfulness and meditation. And he was into this before it was popular in the last few years. And so he's, he's got an extensive background and I think just a great way of framing in, in a non-religious 
manner, in a very secular manner, he's got a great way of framing how mindfulness and meditation can help just about everybody. And one of the things that stands out for me is something that uh, he says in, in, in the Full Catastrophe Living book, which is, as long as you're breathing, there's more right with you than wrong with you. I love that. And so wow. yeah, people get really wound up around all kinds of things. But yeah, as long as you're breathing, there's more right with you than wrong with you. It's a, it's a very grounding thing to think about. I am going to download this book myself. I'll put a link to it in our show notes. Uh, I've got it on Audible. And thank you for sharing that. John Kabat-Zinn, we had Dr. Michael Gervais on. We did a two-part series on a lot of topics, including mindfulness. And he referenced John Kabat-Zinn quite a bit. So I'm going to ask you one more question about Google and the career. But was there one best piece of advice you received since you joined Google? I think the amazing thing about Google is that voices are encouraged at all levels. And so you see this in many ways, and it leads to a lot of innovation. And so the advice that I got early on from someone who had also moved from Microsoft to Google, by the way, someone who I knew prior to coming over here, I mentioned that I was uh, I had some ideas that I wanted to bring forward, but I didn't know the right way to bring them through the hierarchy. And his advice was, hey, if you've got a great idea, you know, consider yourself the global leader of that great idea and just just go you know, start building your coalition and make it happen. And for me, that was a, that was a little bit of an unfamiliar approach. I thought about it. You know, I thought about the world in a little more hierarchical manner and you know, having to sort of go through a, a chain of command. I think the one, one of the reasons Google is so innovative is that every voice is celebrated and you know, even the quiet voices you know, have an opportunity to, to bring their voice forward and bring an idea forward or an innovative proposal. And so I've tried to remember that as I see gaps in the business or you know, things that we can be doing better. And it served me very well. You know, I've, I've raised my hand to take on a, a number of things that, that maybe weren't in the plan or uh, you know, maybe uh, didn't have resourcing at a certain point of time. But um, you know, just having the ability to do that and, and the, the guidance that I got in that moment was important and I'm going to hang on to it. Is there anything you do to encourage that in others? specifically? I, so I am a big proponent of elevating all voices. And so if you talk about, if you talk about even just, you know, daily, weekly, monthly meetings that, that you have with your core team, everyone has different communication styles. And people show up from a communication perspective in different ways. And so one of the things I do is I try and really get to know my team and encourage people to communicate in whatever way is most comfortable for them. So there are people that will you know, be very talkative and bring their point of view forward in, in a meeting of small group of stakeholders or large group of stakeholders. And then there are people that will be very quiet in that forum, but you know they've got great ideas brewing. And so I, I try and draw out, as a leader, I try and draw out the voices that are maybe more quiet, but I also provide alternative communication mechanisms I do a lot of surveying of my team and use and sometimes anonymous surveys for people to bring ideas forward mm. where they may not have been comfortable maybe sitting in a meeting and, and bringing something forward that that either challenged an idea or, or put you know put something out there that uh, that they may not be comfortable with 
verbally. Uh, so I think it's really important to get to know the team, get to know how they communicate and make sure that you can elevate voices that are, are you know, maybe viewed as more quiet in physical meeting se- settings. I think COVID has actually helped challenge this a little bit as well, because you have meetings where some people are online, some people are, are physically in a room prior to COVID. And, and that was the case for me for many years, you know, traveling quite a bit. I wasn't always in the room to be able to come through. And with COVID, everybody moving to a largely to a, a video setting in the world that I'm in, it changed a little bit of the meeting dynamics too. So I'm excited to see you know, what's next as we think about return to, to more of a hybrid model over the, the arc of time here. Um, and see what we can do to continue to elevate you know, all the voices that have such great ideas. Yeah, I love that leadership lesson, by the way, from you, Eric, on, I guess, allowing for different modalities of communication with your team. Definitely. So I want to have a little fun here. You are having hosting a dinner party, and we're at a point where we all can get together. Everyone's been vaccinated or maybe doing some social distancing still. And you can invite any three guests from the present or the past to this dinner party, who would you invite and why? So I'm, I'm going to give you two answers because you didn't give me a quota. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give you two different answers. Um, Spoken like so, a true sales leader. <laughs> the first answer would be after the 2020 election, I saw an interview with three of the former living presidents. So, you know, you had... George W. Bush, President Obama, you had Bill Clinton, and you know these leaders were sitting together and just thinking about all the things. And you know, granted, they're from different parties and represent different political ideologies, but they got together for an interview, and it was. I, I thought about all the different things that they had seen um, over the arc of their their leadership journeys, and I thought it'd be super interesting to you know, sit down with them and have a conversation. So that. That's one answer. I think the second answer would be I'd love to go back and you know talk to some of my ancestors and understand you know their their journey. You know, things are things have modernized in terms of technology and in terms of you know, even the way we can communicate and, and travel. But I'd love to understand you know from relatives a few generations ago how they dealt with some of the same human experiences that we're dealing with now, you know, whether it's raising children or dealing with the stresses of life through work and, and growing up and, and growing old. And so I, I'd love to you know, find a, a few of my, my ancestors going back a few generations and understand a day in the life of their experience as well. So there's your two answers. I could ask for a third if you'd like. But ah. I'll keep it there. Well, I think we could invite them all together. Um, listen, I'm going to allow for, uh, we're going to lift the limit and we can have your ancestors and those three presidents together. Uh, that would be a really fascinating conversation, right? About the present and the past. That would take it up a notch. I, I agree. Well, and if you don't, maybe I'll come and join. I'll come down to Bethesda and, you know, I'll, jo- I'll hoist a glass with you all or break some bread. 
That'd be wonderful. It would be nice to see you again in, in person. I look forward to that day. I look forward to it as well, my friend. And I have to tell you, I am so happy that you were able to join us. I thank you for your generosity and for making yourself available to join Ultimate Guide to Partnering. I've so enjoyed working with you. I so enjoy our conversations and hope to have you back again at a future date. Eric, thank you for joining Ultimate Guide to Partnering. Thanks, Vince. Great to be here. As with each of my episodes, I appreciate your support. Please subscribe on your favorite platform, like, comment, tell your friends about Ultimate Guide to Partnering and where they can find us. And I'd love your feedback. Please like the podcast and provide comments or reach out to me at Vince Menzion on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also like and follow Ultimate Guide to Partnering on our Facebook page or drop me a line at vincem at ultimate-partnerships.com. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Ultimate Partnerships. Ultimate Partnerships helps you get the most results from your partnerships. Get partnerships right, optimize for success, deliver results. For more information, go to ultimate-partnerships.com. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Ultimate Guide to Partnering with your host, Vince Minzione. Online at ultimateguidetopartnering.com and facebook.com slash ultimateguidetopartnering. We'll catch you next time on The Ultimate Guide to Partnering.